0: This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. We're in a series called Love is Hard. And in the series, we have been, you know, we've been talking about uh, essentially relationships. We kicked off the series two weeks ago with this this basic assumption that we have in our culture and our society. Uh, uh, an assumption that because it's an assumption, we're blind to it. We don't actually see it. We don't recognize it. And when I, when I say the assumption, if you weren't here two weeks ago, you'd be like, what, what, what do you mean? That's not, that, that's, that, of course, that's, that, that's truth, you know? And yet we believe this and it's something that we, we, we don't really, it doesn't really bring the kind of happiness that we're looking for. This is the assumption that relationships equals happiness. My relationship should equal happiness. I should meet somebody, fall in love with somebody, and then that person will translate or equal happiness into my life. And we make these assumptions that that's the case. I mean, that's the narrative of our culture. We see it in books. We see it in movies. We see it in TV shows. We dream about it that we're going to meet that person. And once I meet that person, I will finally be happy. And we operate that way, but what we discover there's a problem with this approach because it's kind of a self-centered approach. It's about me. It's about me getting from you what makes me happy. And the problem with that approach is that because it's self-centered, eventually it's going to disappoint. Eventually you're not going to be able to give me what really makes me happy. So we responded to that assumption a couple of weeks ago with this, this solution, put love before happiness, because really what we're looking for is love. Love is so much better than happiness. The truth is, if, if I make if my greatest pursuit, my greatest pursuit is happiness, I will end up in Disappointment. At some level or another, I will end up in disappointment. But if my greatest pursuit is love, in other words, if my greatest pursuit, let me make the contrast a little bit differently. If my greatest pursuit is not about taking from you something that'll make me happy, but rather giving to you something that'll make you happy, if, I, if that's how I operate, if that's my paradigm of a relationship, then the byproduct of that, if love is my pursuit, not happiness, the byproduct of that is a happiness, a happy relationship. Because it's not about taking, it's about giving. Um, Then last week, Jeff, you know, really did a great job. He talked about, uh, you know, our words and how how our words have power, how our words have weight, and how we need to measure our words with one another. Today, we're going to, I'm going to ask a question. It's a very, um, it's a a sensitive question because, and I'm, I'm saying sensitive because right now, Sitting in this room, there's probably at least a half a dozen of you or more maybe that, have, that are currently asking this question. And then there's even another group of you that have asked this question and you've concluded, you've made some conclusions out of this question and have acted upon this question. And this is how the question goes. What if I'm with the wrong person? Now, don't look at that person next to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I notice how there's a lot of couples who are like, uh, uh, the couples that are like staring straight ahead, they're, th- that, they're asking that question. <laughs> they're the ones like, you know, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, you know, but what if I'm with the wrong person? Before I really get into that, though, I want to just, because um, I'm going to be challenging you, challenge you in, this, in this message, I'm going to be challenging you with sticking with the relationship, even through times of difficulty and hardship. And I realize that that's difficult for some people to hear. And so I'm asking you, if you're in this place where you're asking that question, to just bear with me, try to listen through to the end of the message. Don't turn it off, don't start counting lights, you know, just, just, just stick with me through the, through the end of this message. But before I get into that, I, I do want to qualify a little bit what I'm not talking about. If you're in an abusive relationship, like verbally abusive or even more so if you're in a physically abusive relationship, I am not saying you need to stick with that. In fact, if you're in a physically abusive relationship, what I'm telling you right now is that you need to create some distance between you and that other person. You need to figure out what, what, you know, what that looks like, but you need to create some distance between you and that other person if you're in, a, in, a, in an abusive relationship. And then also, you need to seek advice, because oftentimes when you're in an abusive relationship, <clears throat> your perspective is a little bit off. Off. Oftentimes, there's, and I've seen this, where there's abuse going on and the person who's, who is the victim of abuse thinks that it's their fault and they kind of try to stick it out and try to work it out, you know. But really, you need somebody to come alongside you and kind of give you some godly perspective, some godly advice. And, and so if you're in an abusive relationship right now, what I am not saying today is that you need to stick with that, okay? Are, are you hearing me? We good? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this question. What if I'm with the wrong person? Now, some of you here, like Christy and I, we've been married for 30 years. Some of you here might be thinking, well, that's not a question that I ask. I love my wife. I love my husband. I don't ask that question. Right? And I get that. But you have to understand, that's a real question. Because in our society, at least 50% of, of couples in America ask that question. They've asked the question, they got married, then they asked the question, and now what happens is they've concluded that they were with the wrong person, and so they divorced. That's the divorce rate in America, 50%. And just in case you wonder, well, that's, you know, that's outside of church, no, you know what? We have the same rate within the church. What if I'm with the wrong person? It's a very real question. Christy and I, um, we, this week, we celebrated 32 years of marriage, May 9th, 1987. Thank you. All right. I didn't expect that. Um, wait till you hear the right... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and so we, we got married on May 9th, 1987, and we, uh, we, we then moved into our apartment in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I mean, I guarantee you that the week after we got married, Christy wondered, am I married to the wrong person? (laughs) Because almost instantly, we had a battle over the thermostat. If anybody knows Christy, if anybody knows Christy, she's always cold. Like I promise you, she probably walked into this building and said, it's it's cold here. She, She just nodded, yes. She said, it is. That's what she just said. It is cold here, right? She's always cold. Now, we're living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the summer. Anybody been to Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the summer? Okay, it's not exactly cold in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the summertime, right? And I, 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 was, I was in school, and she was, uh, she was working. She was a nurse, and she was working overnight. So she got off work 7 o'clock in the morning, came home, and uh, I, was at, I was already gone to school. And when I got back from school, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, middle of the summer, I opened the door, and the air condition was off. Okay. So like steam just hit me in the face when I walked in and then I walk in and my wife, my, my bride, my newly married wife, wife, she's lying on the floor in front of this big glass pane window. She still has her scrubs on and she's covered with a blanket. And I said, did I marry the wrong person? (laughs) I didn't say that. I'm just joking. I'm just joking, but it's a real question for a lot greater things than just a thermostat, right? See, behind this question, what if I'm with the wrong person? There's a lot of assumptions that we make, a lot of beliefs that we have about life and why we would even ask that question. The first assumption is this, that if there's a wrong person, there must be a right person. But if there's a wrong person, then somewhere out there, somewhere out there, there is the right person. Now, don't get me wrong. I think if you're single, you should be seeking the right person. You don't just not want to marry somebody with a pulse just because they have a pulse, right? <laughs> you, you, you want to make sure that there's some compatibility and there's some chemistry. And that's, There's a lot to be said about chemistry and compatibility. But here's the problem. When you take vows, when you get married and you take vows, the vows that you normally say are not about compatibility and chemistry, the vows that you normally say are about commitment through thick and thin, through hardship and difficulty. Our problem is with this the assumption that we have behind this question, what if I'm with the wrong person? Our problem is that we think that chemistry and compatibility are everything. That once chemistry and compatibility are not right or not good or not making me happy anymore, then, then I, just, I, can, I can walk away. I can leave the relationship. We forget about commitment. So we go from, you know, there's a wrong person. If there's a wrong person, it must be a right person to the right person will make everything all right. That's our second assumption. If you just find that right person, everything will be fine. But the reason that things are not going well now is because I'm with the wrong person. If I find the right person, then I will finally be happier. I will be better. There's this huge idea in our culture of, of finding the one, Right? If you could just find, we even asked that question. My daughter, who's at the Air Force Academy, she brought another, another young man from the Air Force Academy. I'm saying this out loud in front of a camera, but I'm sorry, Caitlin, if I said this. Um, and, you know, and, I, and, and, and we asked, even me, I asked her the question, hey, is he the one? You know, they're, they're not, because they're not together anymore, but is he the one? <laughs> I know. I, my wife is looking at me going, you are dead. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we think of the one, the one, if we could just find the one, then everything's going to be all right. And then as married couples, we don't help singles at all. You know, they come and they're, they're wondering, you know, how will I know that he's the one, or how will I know that she's the one? And we don't help them at all because we say things like, you'll just know, (laughs) you'll just know, (laughs) right? Yeah, you'll just know. So there's all this pressure on a single person right now to find the one. But if you find the right one, then everything is going to be all right. And there's this false notion that we have that if I just have the right one, then like love is automatic. If I just have the right one, then everything's going to go smoothly. If I have just the right one, everything is going to be all right. How many of you have been married 10 years or more? Raise your hand. Keep your hand up if after you got married, you, since you've got married, you've not had a single issue or debate or anything. Just keep your hand up. Man, you guys are bad. I, I, I happen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. See, love requires work. It requires work. Finding the right one is not an automatic pass everything being okay, everything's going to be all right. You know, we've made it, right? Another assumption beneath this question, behind this question, what if I'm with the wrong person, is I'm the right person, which is a, is a clever way of saying they're the problem. Right? You know this. We've seen this. I've, we've, I talk to people and we experience this all the time, that, if, I'm, that if, if they're the wrong person, then I'm the right person. I have my issues. I have my trouble. I have my problems. But my main problem is You. That's an assumption that we have. And I, I know we laugh about it, but that and probably is the way I'm saying it, but the truth is, that's how we operate. What if I'm with the wrong person? My main problem is you. See, one of these things that we do in relationships is we like to point fingers, right? We like to blame the other person. I talk to couples all the time. Generally, when I talk to them, it's about some relational difficulty that they're having, challenges that they're facing, and when they're asking this question, I think I might be with the wrong person. They don't actually say that to my face, but that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing completely. I think I'm with the wrong person. I asked this question. I say, well, if you can make a list... I don't ask for a list right there, but I'm thinking about it. I'm talking personally with an individual. If you can make a list of, your, of the person you think you're, it's the wrong person for you, if you can make a list of all the things that need to change, what would that list be? And if they produce a list, it would be a long list, all kinds of things. They, she's got to stop cutting her toenails in the bathroom and leaving it there. No, I mean, he, he's got to stop. <laughs> yeah. Right? there would be a long list of stuff, you know. But then if I ask the same person, what do you think you need to change in you? Sometimes they don't even believe that they need to change anything. Because oftentimes what happens is because of the list that they produce about the, concerning their spouse or the other person, that's the reason they're having trouble. It's their fault. If this list over here got settled and satisfied, then man, everything would be great. We would both be awesome. But right now, I'm the right person She's the wrong person, right? And that leads me to this last assumption, and that is that my problems are external. My problems are external. Let me, let me illustrate with this box. This right here is my problems box. My, the language I use, my problems box, okay? In this box, I have things like financial mismanagement that's created trouble in our marriage. In this box, I have... Emotional distance from my wife or my husband in this box, I have uh, you know addictions that i might be might be under you know in going on in life and these are problems these are very real problems that are in this box but if we had this idea this this thought that my problems are external, then what we oftentimes conclude when i 'm asking a question what if i 'm with the wrong person is if i Leave the box and walk away from the relationship. I'm leaving behind my problems. I'm walking away from them. They're no, they're, I no longer have these problems anymore because I'm walking out of the relationship. It's one of the biggest lies that that we've we've swallowed in this culture and in this in this country. That somehow or another I can walk away from my box of problems. Not I forgot. That Actually, when I came into the relationship, I came with this box, right? Here's my box. Here's what James has to say about his, these problems that we have. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 1 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? That's a, a good question to ask. And if you're here today and it seems like, man, just things are just tense, tense, tense. In your relationship, there's arguments, there's quarreling, there's what's going on. It's a valid question to ask. What's causing it? What's the root of it? That's really what James is asking. I mean, like I said, if I came to your house and I asked you that question, like you might be thinking, I, I might be with the wrong person and I ask you a question, well, tell me, you, you two, what, what, what do you think is causing the quarrels and the difficulties in your, in your relationship? How long do you think it will take for an argument to ensue? Like probably instantly, right? Because this is what we do. We say, well, she never or he always, immediately we're pointing the finger at each other because we think that my problems are external to me. What causes fights and quarrels among you, James James says? Listen to how he answers that question. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? In other words, James is saying, they're not external to you. They're internal to you. They're a part of you. You brought them into the relationship. In fact, I, I promise you, if you take, if you say, I'm, gonna, I'm done with this relationship, you're the problem. I'm with the wrong person. And then you walk away from the, you might try to leave the box. but guess what's going to happen? It's just going to latch onto you. You're just going to walk away with it because you're carrying Now, there's going to be a few things in this box that will stay behind because they're, they're, they're unique Because what happens is in the relationship, when you got together, a few more things got added into the box. And those things that are maybe unique to that couple, those will probably stay behind. But remember, you you brought a box of problems with you into the relationship, and that will go with you wherever you're going. They're not external to you. They're internal to you. Now, this idea that I'm talking about is at odds with what our culture teaches. Our culture teaches that really inherently humans are, are generally good, right? That, that, in, in, that every person, really, you might have some difficulty, you might have some troubles, you might have some things that you do here and there, but, but generally speaking, you are a good person. And the Bible actually teaches the very opposite of that. Of that. The Bible teaches that inherently every human is actually rotten to the core, And then unless you deal with that rot, which the Bible calls sin, it has the ability of basically infecting every aspect of your life. And some of you understand that very well. Some of you understand some of the dysfunction, some of the sin, some of the brokenness in your life has wreaked havoc in your relationships. Some of you totally get that. That sin is actually the issue. And that's why Jesus had to come and die on a cross and be raised back to life again to deal with the problem of sins. Your problems are not external, your problems are internal. My problems are not external. My problem is not Christy. Sometimes I feel that way, but it's not. My problems are rich, they're internal to me, all right? See, here's what I've discovered about our relationship—that, that especially a marriage relationship—that marriage tends to magnify the problems that are already inside of you. That's really what we, have. we come together, and it's just—it's great, but all of a sudden things just start like coming out. I, here, let me let me illustrate it this way. How many of you remember Mr. and Mrs. Mugg? I've used them before. You have to understand, this is difficult for me. I like props and stuff. And I bring this on myself. I think, a good idea to do props. And then I'm like, oh, why am I doing props? Anyways, how many of you remember Mr. and Mrs. Mug? Raise your hand. I've used Mr. and Mrs. Mug before, right? Mr. and Mrs. Mug represent all of us. Remember that day in college when you saw her, you thought, wow, that's the one. And you went and you asked your parents and your parents said, you'll just know, (laughs) Right? And you feel so good every time you're around her. You just know. You start taking showers every day. You didn't do that before, but you start taking showers every day. You just get to get. I mean, you just know that that's the one. And so you start hanging out, and you're very gentle with each other. You're just kind of like very gentle, treating each other nicely, speaking to each other nicely, doing what, what the other person, loving them. Because basically your friends are teasing you because you're not you're now wearing a pink shirt which you never would have done before, but now you are because of her, right? And they're making fun of you. But you'll do anything for love, right? <laughs> like the song. So you're gentle and you, you walk into that and then, and then you get this great idea. You know what? We should just, instead of just being just on weekends and sometimes in the evening, we should just do this all the time. Let's just get married, and it's a great idea. You get married. I think marriage is a great idea. And so Mr. and Mrs. Mug get married, and they start, and, and it's so great. They, now they're with each other 24-7. Well, not exactly 24-7, but they're with each other quite a bit, and they love being with each other. Six months after they graduate from college, all of a sudden they realize, oh, man, I've got my school loans I've got to start paying off, you know? And, and Mrs. Mug said, hey, Mr. Mug, you probably need to get a job that pays you a little bit more so you can start paying your school loans, And so you get another job, you find yourself working more, right? But still things are going great, you're being gentle with each other, right? And then, you know, but there's something's missing all of a sudden, and then you think, well, you know what, maybe if we bought a house, let's buy a house. So you go from your apartment that you had, you thought you were really happy there, but if you just buy a house, something external again, you will just be happy. And so you buy a house and you start doing life together in this house, but then you realize, well, I've got this $1,500 mortgage I got to pay every month wow, how do I deal with the pressure I'm feeling of finances? Well, you know what? Here's a great idea. Let's have kids. (laughs) Let's have kids. So we start having kids. And before long, Mr. and Mrs. Mug, instead of just being gentle and dealing with each other, they start banging into each other. Yeah, yeah. Would you see what came out of that? And then Mrs. Mug like, where did those beads come from? I never saw that before. And Mr. Smug's like, Well, what, what, where did all that come from? I saw that stuff flying out of you. And all the while, we're thinking that the problem is the other person when really we came into the relationship with it inside. The beads were always there, they always were. The relationship didn't make the beads come out, they were just there. You see, marriage is like a mirror. It reveals what's already there. My wife has this mirror. I won't tell you why she has a mirror, although you will know. It has this mirror that it, it's like two-sided, and if you, you look at one side, you're like normal, and then you flip it, and all, all of a sudden, it's like you can see Mars. He's like pointing, like, Mars, wow. Super magnified mirror, you know? <clears throat> I don't even look into it, because like every time I look in, it's like I can see into my soul. And he was like, ooh, Anyway, she needs it. (laughs) Actually, I need it too, really. We both need it. We both use bifocals. (laughs) I know, I, I need to move out of this one. Well, marriage is like this mirror that actually reveals what's already there. You know, you see the imperfections, you see what's going on. And here's the deal we have two choices when we see those imperfections, when we see those difficulties. We have the first choice, which is what, like I said, 50% of the population is making. They choose to basically point the finger at the other person and say, hey, you're the problem. I'm with the wrong person. You're the problem. Yeah, if 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 you hadn't done this, if you didn't talk this way, if you didn't act this way, if you didn't have that addiction or if you didn't have this or if you didn't have if't if, if, if you weren't the, the way you are, I would be happier. We can navigate that way, and that's what a lot of people are doing, or we can choose a counter counterintuitive response if we're brave enough, if we're willing enough to to basically take the next step. We can look on the inside and instead of pointing the finger and instead of saying hey you got this problem you got that problem you got this problem we could say hey what do i need to change how do i need to change the writer of hebrews he kind of gives us a little bit of a an idea on pain the subject of pain and oftentimes that's what we would associate with relationships when we when when there's broken relationships we would associate pain with that right that's the physical association that we have when relationally we're not doing well. We feel pain. Now, it's not physical pain. There's another kind of pain, but we feel this kind of pain. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12. He says, no discipline or no you know, chastisement, you know, the stuff that you're feeling because of wrong choices you've made or, or things you've said or decisions that you've made, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. It's not fun to go through that pain. It's painful. Right, and some of you are there right now. Right now, in your relationship, you're experiencing pain, and you don't like it. And I understand it, Christy, and I, we understand. It. We've been there. There's a season where we argued a lot. We said things to each other that was painful and hurtful. You might wonder, ah, the pastor argues? Yeah. Just ask Christy. Just no, don't ask Christy because she might tell you more than I want you to, want you to know. <laughs> Maybe that's where you're at, but check this out. He says, "Notice what seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, as you look inside of the box, as you look inside of you, as you examine what's inside, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. Don't you want peace in your relationship? Isn't that what really we're hungry for in our relationship? Uh, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, suffering through with no end inside. I'm not talking about doing all of that. I'm talking about doing the hard work and looking at what is painful. I'm talking about taking the lid off the box and looking inside. There's some of you here, you need to do that in your relationship. You need to look inside that box. You've got it nicely tucked away. You've got it stored away. You don't want anybody to see it. But you need to look inside that box. Here's my box. This is obviously figurative, but for example, I have here my two passports. I have a Panamanian passport and a U.S. passport. And it means something. It means nothing to you probably, but it means something to me. It means... It, it speaks to my sense of self esteem and identity. Because I grew up with this passport in Panama, 18 years living in the country of Panama, where everybody around me thought I was this. And then I came here and I said, Look, I'm, I'm this. And everybody said, No, no, you're this. So in Panama, I was called a Yankee. I was called a gringo. And then come to the States in Dallas, Texas, in high school, they're calling me a, a wetback and a, you know, did you swim here? Did you swim from Panama? You know, how do you get here? Christy didn't give this to me. Our relationship didn't give this to me. This was there when I got married to my wife. It was already there i got another one probably a little bit more painful. And I thank God that really I've overcome that in many ways. But here's a picture of my dad and mom on their wedding day, 1961, in, in Balboa, Panama Canal Zone. And uh, 15 years later, my dad and my mom got divorced. You know how I found out about the divorce? My dad... I was working a summer job, and a summer job was delivering food to local uh, offices in the Canal Zone, and I would, like, by foot, like, literally, i go, take their order, walk to the place, get the food, and then take it back and deliver, and they give me tip money. And so my dad said, hey, when you're done with that, come talk to me. I'll be the, on the corner of Avenida Cuatro de Julio and Callejota. It's J Street and Fourth of July Avenue. That was the name of the street at that point. Meet me be there. I want to talk to you so i very happily you know i was 15 years old went and met my dad at the corner of this street and on that corner was a bar and we both walked into the bar he offered me a drink he said you want to drink something i said no that's okay my dad was an alcoholic by the way And my dad just simply looked at me and said hey we're getting a divorce try to talk your mom into it she doesn't i don't want to get a divorce but it's all her fault. he blamed my mom for everything And that impacted me. I don't know how. I don't know, understand why. I don't get it. I was just a 15-year-old kid. But somehow or another, that stuff did something to me. That was in my box when I first met Chrissy. If she had known, maybe she would have made a different decision. Who knows? I wasn't out flaunting it. I wasn't showing it to the world. It was just there. This is a whole new way of looking at relationships, right? So maybe the question that for us as we think about, you know, why am I with the wrong person, whatever, is maybe, maybe the purpose of marriage is not for you to be happy, although I think you can be happy in your marriage, but maybe the purpose of marriage is to make you holy. Maybe the purpose of marriage is as you start as you start interacting with another person and you start doing life with that person and sharing finances with that person and having kids with that person and all the other things that come along in a marriage relationship, maybe the purpose of all of that is to make you and that other person more like Christ. And if we were to think that way, we would recognize that the struggle that we have right now is really a gift from God. It's a discipline that we're going through that if we will just go through the pain of it, we'll find reward, we'll find peace, a harvest of righteousness and peace. About 10, 11 years ago, um, Christy and I were in a real struggle. Sorry, B. you're sitting there. It's kind of hard to say this with she's sitting right there, but we were in a real struggle. We weren't thinking about divorce or anything like that, but, but the truth is that we were just disconnected from each other, arguing a lot. A lot of it circled around my parenting around my, my absence. And real, I mean, she would say, you're here, but you're not here. <laughs> like you're here in the house, your body's here, but you are not here. And I would have the, I would come back with my excuse. Well, you know, we're planning this church and everything's hard and I've got to work hard. If we're going to grow this church, I've got to really work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, you know? So I was absent. I wasn't parenting well. And then what would happen is she would bring it up and i would get defensive and we'd argue and then she'd get defensive she'd argue back and we would go back and forth never really resolving anything because really the problem was the way we were seeing the problem was it's external it's there not here and we took men's fraternity around that time here at life church went to we met at the uh, engler theater and i remember going through that and talking about the suitcase that we needed to unpack the suitcase <clears throat> And I realized I needed to open, take the lid off my box and start looking on the inside and realizing that what was actually happening in our relationship was I was operating out of the baggage in my life. And it was a sweet and painful moment where I basically just came clean with Chrissy. I told her my dysfunction. I told her my fears. I told her my sins. And it did something to me. It changed me. I was no longer trying to fix her. I was looking on the inside. In fact, marriage kind of reminds me of the gospel in many ways. Like there's nobody on the face of the earth that knows me better than Christy. I mean, she has seen every part of me, literally and figuratively. She knows me inside and out. She's seen the very worst of me as well. And unfortunately, she has to experience when I pass gas under the sheets too. So she knows every... I'm I'm telling you, there are things that she knows about me that none of you will ever, ever, ever know. Okay, that was too much. Okay, get it, I get it. But, But here's the deal. When in the relationship you choose love, over happiness not meaning exclusively not saying that happiness will not come but when you do that you learn to love the other person despite the junk that might be in there and that's the gospel that's the gospel that's what Jesus does for us he looks at you now how is it that he can do that with us yet we look at this other person we ask ourselves am I with the wrong person I think I'm with the wrong person I I don't know they got all these problems that's not how Jesus treats us he sees our junk, and he loves us anyway. So here's a challenge for us this morning, and I want to ask you to stand as we conclude. The challenge for us is uh, instead of pointing a finger, instead of asking a question, "Am I with the wrong person?" Let's reverse the question. Let's ask this question instead: God, or not even ask the question, to make the statement: God, make me the right person. Make me the right person. So next time something happens, next time you flare up, next time you, you know he spends money that you didn't want him to spend or whatever, or vice versa, instead of saying, am I with the wrong person? Ask yourself, God, am I the right person? Am I the right person? If you could ask yourself that question, I guarantee you, God will step in. Here's the cool thing, that when you take... See, in a relationship, <clears throat> I can't walk away from this box. I can't pretend that if I walk away from this box, that I leave it behind, and somehow Christy, you know, she stays with it. Because that's this idea that is external to me. But in my relationship with Christ, I can take the lid off, and I can take all the stuff out of it, and I can lay it at the cross... And guess what? When I walk away from the cross, it stays there. I'm set free from it. I've given it over to Christ. And I can leave it behind. And that's the promise we have in Scripture, that you can have a new life through Jesus Christ. When you look on the inside, when you surrender, when you submit, you can have a new life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Listen, I want to pray for you this morning as we conclude. Our time is way past and our prayer teams are here on the left and the right, and um, but here's what I want to pray. I think that first of all, if you're in a situation where you're asking a question, "Am I with the wrong person and you really are struggling in your relationship?" <clears throat> first steps first, it, it will be very, very difficult for you to have a thriving relationship. And you're struggling now with this very, very difficult, if you have a thriving relationship, if you haven't given your life over to Christ Jesus. If you have nowhere to take all the junk on the inside and lay, leave it behind. And so if you're here this morning, you've never given, never given your life to Christ, I want to challenge you this morning to do exactly that, to simply surrender. To say, God, look on the inside of me. Look at my junk. Look at everything that's there. God, take it, redeem it, set me free from it. And then if you're here this morning and maybe, maybe, maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe you've given your life to Christ, but here's the problem. You have forgotten how much you have been forgiven. Maybe you put the un, undue expectation on your wife or your husband to make you happy. You decided the only way that you'll ever be happy is if they change. And you too, I would say, need to submit again, to the cross and ask Jesus to come in and forgive you of your sins. So this morning, I want to pray for you. And if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, as I'm praying, I just want you, with your own words, say to Jesus, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my heart to you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this place. Father, we thank you for marriages. We thank you for the relationships that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that in Christ... We can have a new marriage. In Christ, we can have a new relationship. In Christ, you give us a new life. And so today, Father, instead of pointing fingers at others, instead of thinking that my problems are external to me, God, I look on the inside. God, I see my junk. I see my addictions. I see my sins. I see my dysfunction. And God, I just lay it at your feet. I ask you to take I can't do anything about it, Father. I'm a sinner to the core, and I need you to set me free from that. And so, Father, I lay it at your feet, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me of all of this unrighteousness, Father, to make me a brand new person in you, Jesus.